Well, this morning, if you have your Bibles, turn over to Exodus chapter 8. Have you ever had one of those moments or days when, you know, you're just, all of a sudden it hits you and you want to go, I could have had a V8. You ever had one of those? Well, a few weeks ago, I had one of those moments. We were coming to church that morning. My, my left ear was just aching. My head was throbbing. And, and, and it even hurt to drink my Diet Pepsi. I mean, to take a sip of it, my throat burned. And so I was like, Lord, it's you know almost nine. I, I can't call in sick. I've got to be there. But, but Lord, I, I feel awful. And I did. I felt terrible. And, and I started praying to myself, you know, just, Lord, if, if, if you'll just take this headache and this earache and this sore throat, and God, if you'll just get me through this morning service and tonight service, Lord, I can get something and make it all better. And, you know, we got almost to Riverton, and I took a drink of my Diet Pepsi, and my throat didn't burn. Now that thing, well, wait a minute, my head's quit hurting. My ear's not hurting anymore. And I felt pretty good. And we went through that morning service, and we had a good service that morning, I think. And then we and Katie went out to lunch, and we had a good dinner. And we came back that night, and we, we had service that night. And it was a good turnout, good people here. And it seemed like everything was going great. And then I got back in the truck, and we started down the road. And I got on the other side of Joplin, and my head started thump, thump, just pounding. And I sat there for a minute, and my ear popped, and it just, it just, oh, it hurt. So I reached over, and I got Diet Pepsi, another one. The other one had already gone early. And I got another one. I took a drink of it, and my throat just burned. And in my feeble mind, I got this thought that run through that said, I bet you wish you'd ask for longer and more of it. <laughs> well, do we do that as Christians sometimes? Do we do that when we've got all these things at our disposal? Do we just ask God for just a little bit? Or maybe to do it sometime later? Well, let's look what the Bible has to say about waiting on something. And to give you a history of this, we're going to go into Exodus and, and find out that Moses... And if you was here on Wednesday nights in our study of the story, we'll find him talking about deliverance in this chapter. And we find that Moses was born to a Hebrew family, but Pharaoh was so scared that a king would rise up out of that family or out of the Hebrews that he gave the midwives the order to kill every male child that was born. Well, Moses' mother found out and heard this. And so when Moses was born, she took Moses and put him in a basket, slapped on slathered mud and everything around it inside and out so it wouldn't sink and it would float. And she put it in the Nile and she floated it down the river to where Pharaoh's daughter would find the basket. Because it was customary that Pharaoh's daughter and all of her entourage would go down to the river and, and they would bathe and cleaned up in the Nile. Now, 
I don't know, but I've seen too many documentaries on Nile crocodile. I'm not taking a bath in the crocodile-infested waters. But I guess this is the reason she had so many people around her was they could go stand on the perimeter, and if it got one of them, she could get out. And you'd kind of chuckle, but that's really what they did. They would take just ordinary common folk and put them out there around the outer edges and, and, and don't, don't shriek and run out because then they'll kill you for, for not being obedient to the queen or the, or the daughters of royalty. But if you stood there long enough, you were probably going to get ate. But anyway, the basket floated in, and, and one of Moses or one of the handmaids saw it, and she brought it over. The Pharaoh's daughter opened it up, and there was this beautiful baby inside of it. But it was wrapped in a Hebrew type cloth. The handmaiden took it. The Pharaoh's daughter took Moses, and she raised Moses up as her own. He went to the very best private schools there were in Egypt. He went to the finest restaurants to dine whenever he wanted a meal. They took some of the finest vacations you'd ever want to take. While he drove the best chariot that ever had been made. Hauled by the best looking, fastest horses that there ever was. But there was something missing. And so Moses one day was out looking and and he saw one of the taskmasters beating one of the Hebrews. And and Moses had compassion on the Hebrews and and he he loved them. But he just really didn't know why. So when the taskmaster was beating and beating and beating, Moses went down, took the whip away, and killed the taskmaster for beating on the slave. Well, it didn't matter what you did. If you committed murder, your sentence was, you got the same. So Moses knew he had to flee or be killed. So Moses leaves. He goes out across the desert, and he comes up to a well, and, and these women come up with all their sheep, and, then, and Moses tells them he's thirsty and he wants to drink water, and so they're getting him water, and... Here come these shepherds up and they've got their goats and they start running the women and the sheep away so they can get water for their goats. And Moses gets up and says, no, now they were here first and they're going to water theirs first. And they were like, oh yeah, well who are you? Well, Moses didn't play the trump card, you know, (laughs) I'm royalty. I, you know, I, I am next, I am in line to be the king of Egypt. And I, he didn't do that. He just took his staff and, and, and gave them a good old southern whooping. And he beat away the shepherds and they left and the women brought their sheep up. They watered them, they got him water. Well, go home, they tell their daddy what happened. And Moses ends up getting a wife. Because he beat up the shepherds. Now, men, honestly, sitting here today, you that are married, how many of you would be married today if you had to beat up a whole group of shepherds? Would any of you? Yeah. I'd give it a shot, but I don't know if I'd have lasted, but I'd have gave it a shot. Moses then got his wife. He got his own herd. He became a shepherd of the sheep, and he had his great 
fall, a great, huge, vast, amassed amount of stuff out in the desert. And so when he got this stuff all gathered up and he was making a name for himself, he was married to the daughter of the priest and everything was going great and everything looked fine. And he's out working one day, walking through, counting his sheep and tending to them and making sure they were okay. And all of a sudden he looks up on this mountain and there's a burning bush. Well, you know, okay. Lightning could have got it, heat, you know, something. Well, the more he watched it and the more he, it kept it fascinating him, the bush never burned up. It just kept burning and burning and burning. So Moses gets down and, and he tells his wife, hey, I'm going to go up there and see what's going on. So he gets up there and he crawls up the side of this mountain and he gets up there and the voice of the Lord comes through that fire, through that bush. And he tells Moses, go get my children out of Egypt. Moses said, you know who you're talking to? I stutter. If I go back, they'll kill me. Those people over there, I was raised as an Egyptian, and now you're telling me to go get the Hebrews and bring them out. Lord, you're crazy. But every excuse Moses gave God, God gave him an answer for it. And when Moses said, Lord, I stutter and I'm slow of speech and everything, the Lord said, well, go get Aaron. Aaron's not ashamed of anything, and he's got a mouth on him, and he'll just tell it like it is. Moses goes back and he tells his wife and he starts to leave back across the desert. And I'm sure she's sitting there getting ready and going to her daddy's house going, you've got to find me another husband. That fool's going to get killed. Well, guess what? God went to Aaron in Egypt and said, get up. Go out to the desert and meet Moses. He's coming here to free my people. So when everything that God told Moses he wanted him to do and everything, he was already working. Like she said this morning, Mashiach said, God was already working and had it all planned out on the other end. Aaron got up and he went out in the desert and he met Moses. Now I don't know how the conversation went, but I'm sure it went something like this. Come on, hoss, we're going to go get our boys. And they went back into town. They went in and they started telling Pharaoh, you know, God wants his children and he wants you to let them go. Pharaoh said, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not letting them, them go. They mean too much to me. They work too hard. They do all this stuff for us. And, and I'm not letting them go. So God told Moses, you go back into Pharaoh and you tell him, I'm going to give plagues on the land. Now, the first plague that he gave the land of Egypt was he turned all the water into blood. Now, I don't want to make anybody sick this morning, and I don't want to, but I have worked in facilities that capture the blood. And they sell that blood off different things. Some places cook it down, make a powder out of it, and it's a fertilizer. It's called blood meal. And it's very rich. And it will easily burn plants up if you put too much. 
for all you ladies out here. One of the companies that the poultry industry sells this to, or several of them, is Maybelline, CoverGirl, and some of these others. And they use that pigment to dye your lipstick. So you know why your man always wants to give you a kiss? You taste like chicken. <laughs> That's why. But they do. They gather that. They collect that. And they sell it to these companies. Well, if you're around that tank, there is an odor that is just unreal that comes out of there. So can you imagine everywhere you go, the water is blood. You try to brush your teeth, it's blood. You try to take a bath, it's blood. You try to wash your hair, it's blood. Well, you know what? When Aaron stretched out his rod and done this, Pharaoh's magicians stretched out theirs and did the same thing. Now, have you ever noticed that once there's something bad in your life, you try to take over and do it, but it just multiplies what's bad? And keeps more and more and more bad stuff coming. Well, let's look at chapter 8, verses 1 through 15. And this is the second plague. The plague of the frogs. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go... Behold, I will plague all of your country with frogs. The Nile will swarm with frogs, and they shall come up into your houses, into your bedroom, and into your bed, into the houses of your servants, your people, and all of your ovens and your kneading bowls. The frogs shall come upon you and your people and all your servants. And the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your hand with your staff over the rivers, canals and over the pools and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. But the magicians did the same by their secret arts and made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So not only did God bring the frogs, but the magician said, watch this. We'll bring more. We ain't got enough. We'll bring some more of them. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, plead with the Lord to take away the frogs from me and my people, and I will let the people go and sacrifice to the Lord. Moses said unto Pharaoh, be pleased to command me when I am to plead for you and your servants and your people that the frogs be cut off from you and your houses and be left only in the Nile. And Pharaoh said, Moses said, Be it as you say, so that you know that there was no one like the Lord our God. The frogs shall go away from you and your houses and your servants and your people. They shall be left only in the Nile. So Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried out unto the Lord about the frogs. And as he agreed with Pharaoh, and the Lord did according to the word of Moses.
Now the frogs died out in the houses, the courtyards, and the fields, and they gathered them together in heaps, and, the land, and all the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was a repile, he said he had hardened his heart, and he would not listen to them any longer and do as the Lord said. Father, this morning we just thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. And Father, so many times in our lives that we can go to your word and we can find out why our troubles and trials are where they're at and why they are, Lord. Father, this morning we just ask that if, Father, you would take us and, Father, not us be heard, but your word. Father, that you would be the one lifted up. And Lord, we just thank you so much for your love, your grace, and your mercy. And God, we just ask it in your holy name. Amen. You know, when I was a little boy, believe it or not, I was ornery as all get out. My mama, every time she washed my clothes, had to check my pockets to see if there was frogs in my pocket. I would go out, I would catch frogs, and I'd poke them in my pocket. I don't know why. I thought I was saving them for later. Maybe there's something that I needed to do with them. But every time my mother would go wash clothes, she would have to turn my pockets inside out to see if they were frogs. Now, do we as Christians do that in our lives sometimes? Do we just go out and pick up things and put in our, in our pockets and in our backs and our backs and just carry it around just to see what we can do? See what it will bring us? Or do we live our lives to the point that we don't want anybody else giving us a hand. We can do it all on our own. Well... Satan wants to keep us in our uncertainties. He wants to keep us not knowing what our future holds. Now, I know Rebecca posted this thing this week about Baptist and, you know, two or more together and a chicken has to die. And somebody over here on this side posted something about speaking like you're from Alabama. So here's you a good southern word. Satan wants to keep you wallering around in the sins of your past. The longer He can keep you there, the less effective your life is. When would God have taken the frogs from Pharaoh in the land of Egypt? When would He have taken them from them? Moses said, I'm pleading with you, tell me when you want these frogs to go away from you. And what did Pharaoh answer him? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. How many of us as Christians do that? We've got a burden or we've got a heartache or we've got a trial and we're sitting there going, Lord, tomorrow if you'll you know, just do the other night riding down the road. It hit me. I could have had this gone permanently. But I just asked for a little window. My V8 moment, I could have had no headache, no earache, no sore throat, but I said, God, just for a little bit. How many of us as Christians want to spend one more night in sin? 
How many of us as Christians want to spend one more night making ourselves happy and getting pleasure for ourselves? Oh Lord, if I can just have one more night of this, I'll give you all of me tomorrow. You ever prayed that? You ever thought that? You ever been around anybody that has? I wonder this morning if of all of us sitting in this room today, how many of us have slept one more night with the frogs and wondering why we're miserable? Wondering why our lives are the way they are. Now, can you imagine going in, getting in the bed, turning the covers back, and frogs are crawling all over it? One time, Katie and, and Brittany and I were, went to a ball game, and we went to St. Louis to a ball game, and, and they must have had a thousand conventions in St. Louis because we had to leave St. Louis to go to Sedalia the next morning to work the state fair for a company I was working for, and so I thought, I'll just get a room. Well, after the game was over with, we left, and I felt like Joseph and Mary. There were no rooms to be found. And the further we rode across the interstate, it was no vacancy, no vacancy, no vacancy, no vacancy. And finally, I don't know, two hours, three hours down the road, we see a sign that says vacancy. So I turn off and I exit and I thought, this ain't right. Because it wasn't on the side of the highway. You had to go up and down and turn and go. It was back off head out in the woods. But they had a sign, vacancy. So when I got up there and I walked up and I rung the buzzer and the guy comes staggering out in his bathrobe and, and he looks at me and I said, I need a room. And he said, okay. How many hours? No. Oh. No. So we get into the room. We're tired. We're wore out. We get over to the room, and I, I get our stuff in, and Brittany and Katie come in, and, and I mean, I, they look like Peter. I mean, I, I thought they were walking on the water because they were afraid to touch the floor in the room. So we get over to the beds, and we're getting ready, and there's two beds, and Brittany and Katie are like, we're sleeping here, you sleep over there, you snore, and I'm, I'm mad at you because you didn't get us a room, so you stay over there. So we go over to the beds, and we walk up, and we, Katie takes, and she pulls the top blanket back, and I kid you not, the blankets on the bed said, property of U-Haul. They were moving blankets on the bed. They put the covers back up. I went out and got the extra blankets that I kept in the truck because they freeze to death. Laid them out, and they slept on top of that, and we left the next morning, and I don't think I got my hour's worth of rent out of that room, but we left. But how many of us as Christians walk in and we turn the covers back and we see a great big sign in the middle of the bed that says, Sin and we crawl right in there with it anyway. And we walk right in there, and we throw them covers back, and we crawl right in the middle of it, and we pull them up over, over tied up over our shoulder, and we tuck them down so nothing can get out. And we spend one more night in our sins. One more night 
away from God. One more night in misery and sorrow and heartache because we didn't say, God, it's all yours. Take it from me right now. This morning we have preachers that are standing up in their pulpits this morning. We have preachers that are standing up here who are telling people that it's okay to hop from one to one to one to one. The reason I played the video this morning was how many churches did these people go to searching out what fit in their life? Not making God the priority, but making their self the priority. I don't even know what kind of drink they were talking about. That this floppy, floofy, what I don't know. But if the kind of drink that we serve or don't serve downstairs or in a coffee bar over here is your salvation's hope, you're in the wrong place. You're wanting more and more of you and less and less of God. We've got preachers this morning that are elevating their selves and their own agendas and their own plans up and leaving God behind. We've got preachers this morning that are going up and they're telling you, oh, we're going to do this, and then next week, oh, no, we're going to do that. Or next year, we're going to do this, but no, halfway through, we're going to change. When God told the people to rebuild the temple, do you ever notice that He never changed His plan? It stayed the same. This morning, if you're wandering around and you're looking for something that's going to change to fit you, you're not looking to God. You're looking to yourself. You know, I... Oftentimes, I see people, and they'll come up to me, and they'll say, I just don't understand this. Well, what is it? Well, I, I, I wanted to quit drinking, but I had some left, and I didn't want to waste the money, so I, I, I went ahead and finished that. But once I finished that, I, I just went ahead and got some more. Do we do that in our Christian life? You know, I can do this on Monday and Tuesday, and it's okay. I can possibly get by with it on Thursday and Friday, but by Saturday, I need to start cleaning myself up. I need to start looking better. I need to start getting ready for church. I've seen people that come in and... They'll come in on Monday morning to work and they are just horrible people. I mean, they're in horrible shape. And you're like, what's the matter with you? Oh, I'm back at this blankety blank. Oh, this is terrible. I hate this place and all this. Oh, I just, oh boy. And then you go and you sit down at lunch and you're like, well, what would y'all do yesterday? Boy, you ought to have heard our little children's choir. They sang so pretty yesterday. Well, wait a minute. This morning, it, you had the awfulest life there ever was. But 
Now at lunch, you're saying that yesterday was the greatest day and, and the children were so, oh, they were so precious and they did so well and it was just great to be there. What happened from yesterday at noon to this morning at 7? And you say, and you get to talking to them and you find out how when they got home, they went back over to the, what God, what did God tell Moses, or what did Moses say happened when God took the frogs away? He piled them up in heaps. Piles over here and piles over there. And what happened? They started stinking. Now that's another good southern word. That proves to me God is southern because he said they stank. And what do we as Christians do? We go over and pick them up and pack our pockets full. Because that was what I used to know. That was what I used to do. Several years ago, we chaperoned the, the kids in a band or show choir or something, and we went over to the other side of Castle or somewhere over there, and it had snowed for weeks. I mean, it snowed. I, at times, I felt like it was... You know, as tall as I am. And, and when we got over there, this was like a month later. And they had pushed all that snow up in the backs of parking lots and on the sides close to drains. So when it melted, it would drain off down the drain. You ever seen all that snow they push over that was so pretty and white when it fell? And it was just gorgeous to look at. And then man comes along and says, i got to move this. And they push it off over on the side. Well, as they're pushing it off over on the side, what happens? It picks up all the dirt, all the debris, and all the trash. And while it's piled up there, there's Coke bottles and chip wrappers and chewing gum and, and asphalt. And it, that pretty white snow is now black and ugly. And it's left over there in a pile till it finally disintegrates. How many of us in our lives today push stuff over in a pile, but then we go back over and start digging around in it to find what we, what we want? How many of us go back over to that pile and we, we, we see a little, I'm going to tell you how bad I am. I can walk by a a trash can, and I can look in and go, that's a Diet Pepsi bottle by the lid that's on it. There's some of you this morning that can walk by a trash can and look in it and see something that reminds you of something in your past, and you want to reach in and dig it out. Something in that trash can reminds you that, boy, I could... I could really use one more night with the frogs. I could use one more night wallowing around in, in, in my past. Because it was easier then. I wasn't accountable for anything. I didn't have to be standing out there looking out and people looking at me and asking me questions. I didn't have to be the one that had to say, you know, that's wrong. I don't have to be the one that says, there's a change that needs to be made. 
It was easier that way. Now I'm sure Moses' wife, or no, uh, Pharaoh's wife, when he got back up off his throne and he walked into the bedroom, I'm sure she looked at him as she was swatting him out of the bed with a stick and they just kept piling on there and piling on there. I'm sure she looked at him and said, you couldn't have said tonight? My wife reminded me several times and I'll tell her, quit reminding me, I'll get to it. She said, it's been six months, when's to it going to happen? How many of us in our Christian walk do that? I'll get around to it. You know, when I get to heaven and we start sitting down talking to everybody, I'm going to ask Jesus, who, who invented that phrase, around to it? Because I've never seen it come around. But we as Christians want to get around to it later. Last week we heard that in, our, in the study of the story, we heard Randy sit up there and say that most people feared public speaking more than they did death. They would rather die than stand up in public and speak. We as Christians would rather die than admit we've got something wrong in our lives. Have you ever been there? Something is wrong. You have sin in your heart. You have sin in your life. You have sin that is burdening you down. But you would rather carry that around with you every day than to admit it and give it back to God and walk away. Why? Well, Lord, if I go down to the altar and pray, they'll think there's something wrong. Lord, if I go down and I say something and I say I need prayer, they'll think something's wrong with me. Or Lord, if I go down there, they may not, they'll finally understand and they'll finally know I'm not who I said I was. You'd rather spend one more night, one more day, and the sins of your past, keeping you burdened down, keeping you oppressed, keeping you downtrodden, than you would take one step and give it to the Lord and find peace. Now I'm going to tell you something. If I walked in our kitchen and I was going to do something and I opened up our oven and it was full of frogs, I'd be upset. If I got down the bowls to make start mixing up stuff and I, I had to shoo the frogs out of them before I could, I'd be upset. But we as Christians sometimes accept that as the norm because we've allowed it to go on that long. This morning, I wonder... I wonder if, if you're tired of spending a night with the frogs. Have you gotten to the point that you are just absolutely physically and mentally exhausted from 
and seeing your sins eat you alive. And you need to come and get rid of that past. You need to come up and say, Lord, I don't want to wait till tomorrow. I want it right now. I want to know this very second, this very day and hour, Lord, that you'll take all this away from me. The Bible said that Moses went out and he prayed and he pleaded with God. And God heard his plea. And he did exactly as Moses asked. This morning, I want you to know, God will do exactly as you ask. When you come in and you say, Lord, I've sinned all I want. I've lived a life I don't want to live anymore. And God, I want to give it all to you and let you be in control. And God, you become my Savior and Lord. He'll do it when you ask Him for it. If you ask Him to wait, He'll wait. But if you ask Him, God, I want it right now, He'll give it to you right now. This morning, I wonder, have you been hopping around looking for salvation? Have you been hopping around looking for a place to lay your burdens and lay your trials and lay your heartaches? God's standing here waiting on you this morning saying, bring them to me. This morning, I wonder, have you been hopping around wondering what should I be doing in the church? Is there a position I need to be working in? Is there a, a group that I need to work with? Is there somebody that I need to go and counsel and work with and mentor one-on-one? If you've been hopping around with that suggestion in your heart and in your mind, this morning come and ask God to make it clear. This morning you may be hopping around looking for a place to attend. You may be looking for a place to call home. And if you are, I'm asking you to come and join up with us. You see, we're not perfect. We're all flawed. We've got burdens and trials and heartaches, but we can share them with each other and give them to God and just love on each other. And that's what we can do for everybody. And I promise you this morning, it's not going to be a moving target that you've got to chase down. God's never moved. And He's not going to have you jumping through hoops to get to grace, love, and mercy. He'll pour it out all over you without you having to hunt for it. Tonight, we're going to baptize at least two. And I'll give you a hint. We're not going to charge any extra if somebody else wants to come. I will say this. I saw one of the things a while ago, and I think it's called an oxymoron. I think any English teachers in the room, I think I'm going to get this phrase right. We found some baptismal robes back here for people to wear. Baptismal robes that are waterproof. Why? 
Is it the idea of baptism getting wet? Isn't the idea of getting saved being made whole? Too many times we as Christians, we put on that waterproof, prayer-proof, love-proof garment to keep and reflect everything away from us. Now, the ones getting baptized tonight, I took them, them waterproof ones out. You're going to get wet. I'm going to get wet. You're going to get wet. Anybody that wants to come and get baptized, you're going to get wet. Anybody that wants to come this morning and turn it all over to God is going to get wet because He's going to love all over you. He's going to pour forgiveness and mercy and healing and comfort and joy and peace and everything He's got. He's going to pour it all over you. He's not going to keep it from you. This morning as we get ready to sing, if you're tired of spending the night with the frogs every night and you're tired of spending the night with your past haunting you and burning, burning your life and wanting to, to keep you away from God, come this morning. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't spend another night with the frogs. Father, this morning as we come to you, we just ask, Lord, God, that you just fill our hearts and our lives up today with mercy and grace. Father, that you will take our pleas this morning to take the frogs out of our life. Father, to take them away that we no longer have to bear that burden. Father, we don't have to be with them. They don't control us. They don't guide us. They don't... Father, they don't take us down the path we don't want to go anymore. But God, we can walk with you and be with you daily. And Father, that you will be there to keep us from being, Father, in the bed, in our lives, in our homes, one more night. God, that you'll just take it all away. And that starting today, Lord, starting right now, this minute, this second, Lord, that you will take away all, Father, that is a, is a heartache or burden to us. And Father, that if anybody comes and says, I want to be saved, God, at this very second, you'll come into their heart and their life, Lord. Father, it's in your name that we pray. Amen.